The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught committing adultery, and they made her stand before them all. Teacher! This woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. In our law, Moses commanded that such a woman must be stoned to death. Now, what do you say? Whichever one of you has committed no sin may throw the first stone at her. Church, I want to I want to thank you because uh, you guys are acting like uh, the church that needs that we need in our community. This Thursday or on Thursday we had our uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman concert here, and there were 750 people here who got to hear about Jesus' love through music, and it was a, a great night. I'll be honest, it wasn't my favorite. I was in the Welcome Center, but everyone inside here loved it and uh, just uh, was really ministered to. And, uh, and I had asked the worship team to sing that song, Forgiven, and for them to practice a whole new kind of song just for me, for uh, my sermon, uh, just again, just shows the, the level that we want to go to to help you experience Jesus. And so I thank our worship team and for all the volunteers here. Uh, who are going to be working this week with VBS for 400 kids to hear about Jesus. Just an incredible church in how you, we come together and uh, just help people to know Jesus. And I want to thank you, too. Uh, my daughter was in the hospital. 
and uh, you guys prayed, and you guys reached out to me and my family, and uh, just really uh, just showed uh, Jesus' love. And so thank you for helping to give us peace and to pray. Uh, my, my daughter is uh, out of the hospital doing very well. We have some more tests this week, so please continue to lift Paige up and uh, just everything comes back uh, okay. Uh, but again, just thank you, church, for, for coming beside us uh, and, and loving us and, and just praying and being a support for us. I had people showing up at my house last Sunday just wanting to pray uh, in my in my driveway for me and my family. And that's unbelievable. And I, I just thank you. And I love being a part of a church that makes it so that it's not about us and just attending worship. Church and our Christian walk is so much more. And that's what we're talking about these next two weeks is this idea of destiny. And the word destiny is really all about uh, your future. And a lot of times when we think of destiny, we think that it's for us to kind of make our own destiny. If you were at a graduation, uh, you probably heard someone talk about destiny and their future, and it's all in your hands, and you got to make your own, own destiny. Well, I want to give you a different view of destiny. And the view of destiny that I want to give you is one of a God-given destiny. A destiny where it's not what you make of it, but it's how you listen to God and follow where God wants you to go because God has a plan for your life to do something that is extraordinary. And it probably doesn't have to do with the American dream. Instead, it has to do with you being a light to the world around you. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5 says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Those words are not just for Jeremiah. If you look throughout Scripture, you see that this, there's an idea that all of us as Christ followers are called to something, that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And that plan and that purpose is usually bigger and wider and a little more tough than we might think. But when we live it out, there's a peace, there's a joy that comes, and that God needs us for this plan. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has something prepared for you. As you love him, as you live for him, he has a destiny for you, and he wants to use you to bring about his name and his glory to this earth. And that destiny is usually far beyond what we can imagine. You know, for me, in high school, I had a destiny and a future that I had made for myself, and that was to make it to college and to be a baseball player and to play baseball uh, in college. And I did everything I could to make that destiny a something that I grasped, and I did. And as I'm pursuing that, as I'm getting ready to go to college, God whispers in my ear, Jeremy, I want you to be a pastor. Now that shocked me, because I had grown up uh, in a family where my dad was a pastor, and I had said in my mind, there is nothing I want to do 
anything, having to do anything with being a pastor. God, give me anything else, okay? I imagine the worst thing, I will do that rather than be a pastor. And so when God put that on my heart, when he whispered in my ear, Jeremy, I want you to be a pastor, I knew it was from God because I would not ever dream or imagine that for myself. But you know what? For me, I said, God, I know where you want me to go, but I have this dream. I have this future that I desire. And you know what? I'm going to put that dream of yours, your plan for me, on the back burner. And so I went to college, I played baseball, and I was miserable my first year. I remember my sophomore year, I was up at plate at the plate, and this guy threw me a hanging curveball, and I hit it over the center field fence, and you would think that there would be joy in my heart as I'm running to second base, but as soon as I hit second base, and I can remember it so vividly, I knew my baseball career was over at that moment. Because I knew that I had to give up my personal destiny for what God wanted for me. And if, my, if they made that into a movie, that scene right there, it would, have take, it would take five minutes for me to get from second place to home because there were so many things that went through my mind in that little run there. And by the time I got and hit home plate, I knew where I was going. I knew that God was going to rule my future that I was going to give him the glory and not myself anymore. And for you and I, we have that same opportunity. But there's something that happens within us when we fail to live God's standard. When we sin, when we fall short of God's standard, there's this idea of shame and sin and ways that we mess up. And there's this guilt And there's this wall that is built up between us and God. And this wall makes it so that we cannot go before God and hear his voice and have the courage to follow. Because our sin, our failures of the past, we believe disqualify us from God's calling and God's destiny. I knew that for myself. Even though I was starting to follow God's calling after hitting home plate and my my foot touching there, for years I have guilt why did it take me so long to follow God's calling? Why wasn't it as soon as I heard him, I said, I pursue him, pursue his plan? Why did it take me so long? And it was this guilt of what happens when God calls me for the next thing. Am I going to stumble and fall and fall short of where God's calling me? And it wasn't until I read this passage in John 8, and we just saw the clip of it from, from the movie where we see a different calling in a different way that Jesus sees us. He doesn't see our sin. Instead, he sees us for who we are. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 8. We're going to read 1 through 11. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it and go through it. So Jesus was in the temple, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now what would you say? You see, they weren't very concerned even about her. What they were concerned about was they were concerned about trapping Jesus. They wanted to make Jesus stumble right here. And so they said, 
They said this to test him so that they might bring charges against him. You see, they thought that they had Jesus, Jesus trapped. If he, if he said to stone her, which the law said that they were supposed to do, they knew that all the people would turn against Jesus and say, all this teaching about Jesus of love and all this, how could he teach that if he says to stone this woman for this? But they also knew that if Jesus said just let her go, that they could arrest him for not following what the law said. And this is why I absolutely love Jesus and I love following him because his response is only of that, of, of what God would actually do right here. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground and they kept questioning him and he straightened up. He said, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And at once he bent down again and wrote in the ground. Now, what do you think he wrote down? We don't know, but some scholars, and I like some ideas that the scholars have, have written down, was that he actually started to write down sin of greed, of lust, of pride. And he starts writing these things down to illustrate to all those who are standing there that they all were falling short of the standard that God had for them. And so when they heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And he straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Now go on your way, and from now on, do not sin again. Church, when Jesus sees you, a Christ follower, he does not see your sin. Instead, what we need to understand is that Jesus forgives us. Church, hear that. Jesus forgives you. Jesus forgives you for everything in your past that you feel like has disqualified you from living out your God-given destiny. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. And why are we forgiven? Because Jesus views us as his sons and his daughters. Jesus sees us as men and women that are his, that he loves, that he cherishes, that he wants the best for. And so when he looks at you, he is not looking at your sin, but he's looking at who he created in the womb, and he knows that he has a purpose and a plan for you. And we must get over the, this idea that God is up there in heaven looking down on us, condemning us for what we have done wrong. Because we have all messed up. And even the greatest in the Bible, Moses, David, Peter, they messed up. And they messed up more than you will ever mess up. And God still used them. But we sit in our seats and we think, that God can't use me because of this or that or how I messed up yesterday and I did that wrong. And what we see here in Jesus' actions is how much he loves us. You see, the world, they will pick up the stone. And they don't care about you. See, the world cares about themselves. The world cares that they get ahead of you. 
And so when you mess up, when you're in that circle, they take the stone, and they don't care, and they throw it. And they throw it hard. And today, though, I want you to know, I want you to see that even though others might throw a stone, Jesus does not. He does not condemn you. He does not define you and your future by your sin. Think about this. The woman in the middle, she's right here. She's being accused. She knows the law. She knows that she might die in the next few moments. We know that this was a a thing that they did back then, that Jesus actually escaped being stoned a couple times. And so this was something that they knew. This woman knew. And so here she is, knowing that she has fallen short of the standard, that the law says she must die. And in a matter of moments, Jesus redefines her future. He redefined her future of death, of shame. And instead, he said, I have something for you. And what I have for you is for you not to feel condemned anymore. The world can't condemn you. No one else condemn you. And when I look you in the eye, I don't condemn you either. Instead, I love you. Church, hear the love that Jesus has for you today. It is not a far-off love from a, a God who lives thousands of miles in the sky that so many of us picture. Instead, it's a love of Jesus next to us, looking us in the eye and saying, I do not condemn you. Instead, I love you. So what makes this love different than someone else's love? What makes it so that Jesus can stand there and say, I don't condemn you, that makes it so everyone else will disappear and where we have true forgiveness? You know what it comes from? It comes from the words that she said. No one, Lord. See, she realized who Jesus was. He wasn't an ordinary man. He wasn't just a prophet or a good teacher or a moral person. She realized he was Lord, that he was Savior. And for you and I, we have to remember who Jesus is. That 2,000 years ago, that Jesus, he came. Because he loved us, he came, he left heaven, and he came to earth as a humble child. And he wasn't a king. He was a servant. And for 33 years, he lived his life without any sin. He was holy. He was set apart. But he still was tried and tempted as you and I are. But he was holy. But he came for one thing. And the greatest thing that he came for was so that you could be forgiven. So that you can say, I am not condemned. Just as this woman was not condemned, you were not condemned. Because when he died on that cross, he took your shame, your guilt, your sin, both past, present, and future, and it's no more, church. Don't live in your sin or in the shame of your sin. 
Instead, see the calling and the life that Jesus has for you. That when Jesus died, he forgave you of your past, your failures, your struggles. He died to give you a future, to redefine your destiny. That in that single act on the cross and then him rising from the dead, he gave you a new future. A future that is not defined by things that you have messed up with. Because we all mess up. Everyone. But because we have Jesus in our life and we believe that he died for us on the cross, we have that relationship with him. We are forgiven. Now Jesus' words at the end, I think, are the most powerful. Because he says, I don't condemn you. But then he says, go and sin no more. See, often we think of this, that, hey, I prayed that prayer once, I'm forgiven, but I can keep on sinning, and I can keep on living my life the way because I am always forgiven. Think about this woman. She is condemned, she's about to die. Jesus says, I don't condemn you anymore. Do you think she would go literally right back to sinning again? after experiencing a near death, and then the, the Lord standing before, him, before her saying, I don't condemn you. She's not going to go back to her former way of living because she's realized where she just was and how she was saved. If for you, you've lost your passion for Jesus, for living for him, and you've gone back into old habits that you know are not of him, remember you're forgiven. It all hinges on that. When we realize what Jesus has done for us, that we don't deserve his love, we stand in awe of him. We realize the gift that he has given us, this new life, this new creation in us, and we don't want to go back to that former way of living because we realize it's empty. We realize that as we're rounding second base, there's so much more to live for. Because God has a plan and a destiny that is far beyond what we can imagine. But yet, so many of us within the church, we sit here and we think about our past and we feel disqualified. We feel like God can't use us because of this or that or how we fell short. And today... Jesus has a very simple message. You are forgiven. You are forgiven, church, because he is Lord. Because your Lord has forgiven you for everything. And you don't need to stand and think about where you were. Instead, you need to stand and think about where God wants to take you the plan and the destiny that he has for you. That this shame, the things that you struggle with, that he's saying, I don't see you that way. Instead, I see you as my son and as my daughter. You know, often we hear, or we think we hear God condemning us. We hear words of God saying, hey, I don't like this or I don't like that. Instead, I think we need to see it this way. 
when we realize that we are forgiven, we realize that the words that we hear from God are truly words about our future. That when God speaks, he's not going to be speaking to you, hey, you just messed up there, you messed up there, you fell short there. Instead, what he's going to be saying to you is, here's where I want you to go. Here's who I want you to talk to. Here's how I want you to bring about my love and my forgiveness to other people. There was a woman in the last service. She literally was sitting there and she noticed someone that she knew from 60 years ago that she hadn't forgiven. And she came up to me and said, today I finally forgave that person. For 60 years, I held on to this bitterness and anger towards this person. Today I finally forgave. You see, church, when we truly grasp how much Jesus loves us and the forgiveness that we experience from him, we will go out and we will bring that to other people. God does not condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you. They don't see your past failures, your guilt, your shame. Instead, he sees you for who you are, his creation, his sons and daughters, and he absolutely loves you. So today, let God invade your heart. Let the love of Jesus transform you. Will you walk out of these doors this morning realizing that once you were dead, once you were condemned, but now because you follow Jesus Christ, Jesus does not condemn you anymore. Instead, he has a hope and a future and a destiny, his destiny that he wants you to live out. And his words to you are, I want you to go and I want you to live for me. Next week, we're going to be talking about how do we have the courage to go after where God wants us? Because when we realize we are forgiven, then we are open to hearing where God wants us to go and how he wants us to use us to change the world. We're going to be singing this song, Forgiven Again. And the band's going to come out and we're going to sing it together and as we sing this song, I want these words to be the words that you are praying and you're singing to him. That you're grasping that your heart is finally open to what he wants to say. And so embrace each word. Think through it. Let it be your heart's cry to him. And I pray that this morning that you experience the freedom that I've experienced in my life where I don't feel condemned anymore, where I can walk into God's presence each and every day, where I can commune with him and I don't feel guilt because I realize that I am totally and completely forgiven because Jesus loves me so much that he's willing to die on a cross to forgive all of my sin. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, 
And also, uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.